0: All right, folks, welcome to the Coastal Advocacy Podcast brought to you by the Coastal Conservation Association. In this episode, we sit down with CCA's very own John Blaha and legendary fishing guide, Jay Watkins. As always, please leave us your comments or reviews on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. We really like the feedback and appreciate what you guys have to say about the show and the CCA. So with that said, here we go with John and Jay john blaha john thank you for having us here at your house we appreciate it
1: you're welcome hope y'all uh had a good meal and don't get sick in the morning
0: yeah john just fed us some of his family's recipe at etouffee that was your mother's or grandmother's that was my mother's That's your mother's recipe it's good stuff
1: not bad for a check person that <laughs> <laughs> no, was really good
0: so we're we're here in rockport at john's home and we're Fortunate enough to have convinced uh, Jay Watkins to join us here on the podcast. Jay, welcome.
2: Well, thank you. It's a, it's an honor. You know, it's it's uh when when John mentioned this to me a few weeks back, uh, it 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 brought to mind to me is how much things have changed. You know, I mean, when I first started. Uh, you know, there wasn't any cell phones. There wasn't even bag phones. And, of course, a bag phone, people don't even know what that is. Our kids don't even know what that is. You know, and there wasn't Facebook, and there wasn't Twitter, and there wasn't Instagram. And, and you know, computers. Open. There was no social media. You know, now we've, we've got these, you know, you got podcast, and you've got all these little different blogs and all this stuff that's out there that's, you know, really great for for outdoorsmen and especially great for fishermen you know and so i'm i'm, I'm really excited about it and excited about being here and talking to you about uh what it is i think i know something about but after a day like today maybe i don't know quite as much <laughs> as i thought I did.
0: well you've been in the business a long time so i think we should start there let's start start at the beginning um how did you get into the business
2: golly i got into the business by mistake <laughs> i mean i mean really and truly i did i I was I was always raised loving to fish. My dad was not a fisherman. He was a football coach. But he gave me the opportunity to fish. And it was always, it. it I, I hear stories, and I heard more stories after my father passed away, which was at a very young age. He was 60 when he passed away. So he really never really did get to see too much of my fishing career. Uh, he didn't want me to be a fishing guide. There was absolutely no doubt about that. He was education-orientated, wanted me to go to college. And we... Made an agreement that I'd go to college for a couple of years, and if I didn't like college, I would, I would, I could do what I wanted to do. So I went to Wharton Junior College, WCJC Pioneers. By gosh, and it uh, was close to the water, close I to Sargent. Yeah, <laughs> close to close to close to Sargent, you know, and close to Bay City. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a couple of years, I decided I was going to come home, and and I got Smokey Gaines to build me a skiff, and I, I started guiding. But I didn't actually. St- while I was building the skiff, I didn't actually go into the guiding business. I actually had a guy ask me to, uh, a local tackle dealer, a guy that owned, Larry Hoffman, that owned a tackle store here, asked me to come into the store one Saturday and talk to people about fishing. And uh, he said, me and Larry were friends. I I bought lots of stuff from him. And uh, so I was in there talking to a lady and uh, she was complaining about not catching any fish and showed me how she was rigging up and I gave her some advice and showed her how to rig her line and her rod and the reel and lures and stuff like that. And a few days later, Larry Hoffman called me and said, hey, that lady wants your phone number. They went fishing. They had a great trip. And she caught all these fish on this whatever it was you told her to use. And And so I called the lady. The lady... Long story short, they had a boat. They asked me if I'd take them fishing. I took them fishing. We caught a bunch of fish, and we got in. The lady said, "Well, how much do we owe you?" And I said, "For what?" And she said, "For the trip, for guiding." And I said, "Well, I'm not a guide." She goes, "What do you mean you're not a guide?" And I said, "Well, I'm not a guide. You know, I just, you know, I just took you fishing." She goes, "Oh, well, we can't, you know, we can't let that. We can't have you not. We can't not pay you." And so I think they paid me four hundred dollars and i didn't even look at the check and so i got in my truck and you know put my hand against the glass and cranked it and shoved it down because it didn't work you know <laughs> and looked down i could see the pavement there at, at the at the key Arena through the hole in my truck and i just thought i'd open my open the check up and i looked and i was like i think with the tip it was like close to five hundred dollars i said are you kidding me it's not exactly the words i used but i said are you kidding me you know and i was thinking i'm a (laughs) guy you know i'm I'm on to something anyway uh it did it just started she started telling people and they started calling me and and you know asking me if i would take them fishing and that one thing led to another and and at that time i think that was in the late 70s at that time uh, I bought my first boat, my first motor from uh, Cresta's Marine mm-hmm. in Edna. That day, I was there. The GCCA was selling memberships, and I, I want to say they were—I want to say it was ten bucks.
1: <laughs> uh, I think actually, the original membership was probably twenty. I don't, well, think I don't it, know it's, what it was. Been, it's always been twenty-five. Maybe actually. maybe it, maybe it yeah. was,
2: but 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 it didn't seem like a lot of money. And it was a fish—all the fish you could eat. Uh, there was a fish fry. They were having a fish fry there, and so. I joined and uh, didn't really know what it was, but it was a really nice hat that I got, you know. <laughs> and uh, item. Yeah, 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 collector's yeah. item, which I don't have anymore. But, uh, um, and I, my timing was perfect. And I didn't, ti- it was not a game plan of mine. It wasn't me thinking, being some kind of, you know, smart guy. My timing was right. Uh, it was in the late 70s. There were redfish wars going on with the, with the netters. Uh, I was... Very attuned to that because my my girlfriend, the mother of my children, her dad was a commercial fisherman, and uh, I have a really fond picture of, of that. I have really fond memories of of Danielle sitting between me and her dad at a fishing tournament with a GCCA jacket on, and she's in between us, and he's got white shrimping boots on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> type of deal. But uh, I was in the right place at the right time, and and the GCCA, which then became the CCA. You know, they just, they just got on board, and, and, you know, the state of Texas, the, the anglers got behind it and immediately saw the, uh, the impact that fishing had on small communities. Um, one, one of my, one of my, one of the fathers of this, is, as far as guides go, and you couldn't, I don't think there's any guide out there in, from Rockport that could do something like this, which, like I said, is an honor, without mentioning Howard Brown. Um, he was a commercial fisherman, rough as rough gets, but tender-hearted as guys you'd get. And was the CCA's kind of, um, he was kind of their their poster guy. You know, he was a commercial fisherman. And uh, he was on the cover of Texas Monthly with, you know, with Walter Fondren. Uh, Pulled Walter across the flats, you know, barefooted in the winter. And I won't ever forget that day, me and my dad were fishing. In the flats as well. And uh, if you know anything about Estes in the wintertime, the water's real clear. And in those days, it was stupid good. There was no nets. There was no trot lines. And it was just ridiculous as how good it was. If you tried to tell people how good it was, they wouldn't believe you. It's unbelievable as to how many fish, trout, and reds were in those flats. And uh, Howard and Walter were drifting and fishing. I don't know how they were fishing. but So I didn't know Howard very well. But me and my dad were throwing bass worms, um, eight-inch bass worms, purple, and uh, catching them pretty good. And uh, directly I hear this boat come running over to me, and it slides up beside me, kind of bumps into me. He goes, give me some of those or I'm going to beat the crap out of you. (laughs) You know, and he goes, and not those ones, not those, not those, those ones under the dash, not those ones, not those ones laying up there, those cold ones, you know. That's how we got introduced, you know. It's also how I met Walter Fondren. But uh, like I said, it, timing was perfect, and uh, lots and lots of things have changed. I mean, I sit here about almost thirty-eight years into this business, and it it it's not gonna it's not gonna choke me up, but it typically does choke me up to think about how extremely blessed I have been to have had the office that I've got have had for thirty-eight years. To where when I wake up in the morning, it's 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 a different sunrise every morning a different sunrise a different sunset every evening and i've been extremely fortunate and i'm not responsible for that we're responsible for it a lot of people you know a lot of members of the cca conservation association groups that have have brought this fishery back to to what it was and we've had some difficulties a lot of ups and downs you know, a lot of ups and downs, uh, you know, past, you know, uh, passage closures, freezes, red tides, brown tides, um, droughts, years with, you know, floods, hurricanes, lots and lots of things. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't live in a small, te- in a small coastal town and you don't get up every morning and your life depends on going fishing, you're unaware of all this little subtle things that impact the fishery you know what what years of drought do what abundant rainfall does what runoff does what brown tides do what red tides do what fishing pressure does what freezes do you know in 1983 we lost 82 percent of the trout population on the middle texas coast that's a ton i caught 61 trout in 1984 61 not very many happy happy clients (laughs) that year type of deal okay but we've but we've but we've bounced back. You know we've seen the bio close. We've seen it open. We've seen it close. We've seen it open. We've seen it closed. You know I'm sitting here today with a guy John Blaha that's was instrumental in getting it open and getting it opened right, getting the right engineers, opening the bio, opening Vincent Slough, getting circulation back into the bay, and and it's and, and I have I tell people every day when they ask me how much better do you think fishing is today than it was two years ago, and I said well there's a lot of a lot of factors today that we didn't have two years ago they said what's that well we we ended the drought I said so mother nature kicked in with rain and I said with all that rainfall all the parasites that eat shrimp and crab larvae were gone they're dismissed and those two populations explode I said then we got the bio open we got circulation and flow back into the bay then we went to a five trout limit we had restrictive limits um, I don't still think two years later that we've really seen the true impact of the five fish limit yet. We are seeing some of it, absolutely. No, it'll we, it'll take some yeah. some time. It'll you take. Go I, think a whole, five go yeah, a I think three to drought, five years. Yeah, I think three to five three to five years, and it's hilarious. You know, I think about two days after the after the the uh, uh, new limits were in effect, I had a guy fishing with me, and you know, he caught five real quick, and he goes, "Oh my gosh." He said, it's already impacted. And I just had to laugh. I said, no, no, it's not. I said, that's way too quick. They don't come out that big. But anyway, but I I have told people for the last couple of years, especially this year, this year, I think fishing right now, as far as overall fishing, in other words, anywhere I wet my line, anywhere I throw that artificial lure, I'm I'm catching a trout or a redfish of some size. Okay. Those, those the reason behind that and you we we can say what we want to mother nature is one of the main reasons there's no doubt she's in control all Absolutely. we do is all we do is 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 try not to get in her way but she's in control but there's no way that you i can sit here and say that what we're seeing isn't because of us members of the cca members of uh, even even people that aren't members that are conscious of the resource and because I have seen it the other way I've seen it where it wasn't very good type of deal. And so, you know, so we're at a, we're at a, a real turning point to where I, I'll say it this way. When I first started guiding and I want everybody that listens to this to understand, I've been the best of the best and the worst of the worst. I've caught them, thrown them over my back. Took pictures of them, lead them and bleed them, kill them. Uh, you know that's the name of the game. And what happens is, as an angler, and this happens to lots of anglers, and and hopefully it happens to lots of guides. It's it's happened to me. What happens is, ultimately you fall in love with the resource, and you no longer you 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 want to preserve that resource, and you want to preserve that that experience that you're experiencing so that other people experience it mm-hmm. you know and and that's what I tell people every day I said I want you to to experience what I experience. not not physically with catching the fish but the the mental just to soak it, just to
1: soak it in and, and
2: yeah realize yeah we, what we you had have. a yeah it, I, I'll tell you and and this you know it, it sounds it sounds wussified to say it. I don't care what people think i you know i'm i'm a softy there's no doubt about it i was not always that way but me and john and and lisa liskowski and mike Laskowski, a few years back we experienced a really neat moment fishing one day and and uh you know life's about moments and I, I say this to all the people out there that are listening that got a wife that got a daughter that got a son that they want to take fishing that they want to spend time with um if you choose fishing Life's moments, and, and, and moments are fleeting, and you want to take advantage of all those moments. And we had a moment where Big Mike, that's what we call Mike, because if you knew Mike Liskowski, he's big. <laughs> he's a big old guy. You know, we call him Big Mike, and uh, he caught a fish of a lifetime on an extremely tough day, just a day where we had grinded not many bites, weight after weight after weight after weight, and he catches this exceptional fish, um, you know, nine and a half pound plus fish okay upon releasing the fish and taking pictures of the fish we cried absolutely joyfully and the reason for that is it was an accomplishment accomplishment for not not just for mike but an accomplishment for all of all of us there we all felt part of that experience the reason i tell that story is because there's lots of moments like that that first 12 inch trout that your little little girl catches yeah, yeah. or you know what i'm saying and i remember the very first the very first redfish i caught with my dad i'll never forget the first redfish i caught you know it was it, i've still got a picture of it you know it, i don't know how big it was it wasn't very big but i i remember it and i also you know i, I tell i tell these stories and i tell you this because if you if you think for one second that's not spending time with your kids that spending time with your kids you're not your kids aren't better for it boy you're you're sadly mistaken you are sadly mistaken i got two wonderful boys uh not perfect boys by any means no way but they've kept their nose clean because during their years their influential years i kept them occupied and i kept them occupied with something that i loved and something that i knew which was fishing they didn't get to go on the cream of the crop days. They got to go on the bad days. So guess what? Most of their days as young boys fishing weren't filled with catching. They were filled with learning how to fish, you know. And and I occupied their time, you know. And so that's why that's why what we what we do, and what we promote is is critical that we that we save the the fish that we've got. You know, I always tell people this. I think I was the I think I was the guy that coined the just keep five and back in the trout scoping years Mm -hmm. you know my deal was this i'm not a scientist and i'm not uh anything i say today anything i ever written in an article is based on daily knowledge of what i've seen what i've discovered with my feet with my eyes and with that stick that's in my hand it's that's all it's based on it's not based on science okay i think i've got a fairly decent scope of what's going on out there um but it's not science uh, and and I and I we, we try to we try to explain that to people that that and I kind of lost my train of thought but we try to explain to people that uh, it's this fishery changes you know I was telling I was talking to you Shane uh, earlier you know over over my career I think the with global warming and I'm not a scientist, I don't know much about global warming. But it's warmed a couple two or three degrees over the past thirty years. Okay? What what does that mean? Well that means seasons change. That means water temperatures change. That means tidal levels probably have changed somewhat. You know, we were talking about when we were eating dinner at October it doesn't seem to be October anymore. You know? No, it's just extension well, summer. Th- yeah, it's just it's like summer. Yeah. Well guess 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 what that means to a fisherman. What that means to a fisherman is that we we have got to every single day be be aware and be be changing. You know, if there's anything I've learned, and in in my career, if there's one thing that I am certain that I've learned, is that I'm never gonna know a fraction of what I need to know, and I'm never gonna I'm I'm never I'm never gonna know it all. But I also know I'm never gonna stop trying. And over the past probably 10 years, I think I have become more of the teaching type of fisherman our guide that says I you know I want I don't want I didn't want when Mike and Lisa started fishing with me, I didn't want Mike to fish with me and me to take Mike's son and Mike's daughter and be their hero. I want Mike to be their hero. You know, I want you to be your wife, your son, your daughter's hero. I want my clients that I don't want to be their hero. I want you to be their hero. And that's kind of been kind of my motto and and, and I you know i teach people how to fish and what people don't realize is when i first started guiding it's 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 amazing what they didn't realize is i was learning with them (laughs) i mean they were paying me and i was out there learning with them you know i'd run across the bay i'd hit a sandbar that i didn't know was there a slick would pop up down on the south end of it and i would put the pole over and it would be shallow enough to get out and i said this is a good spot <laughs> yeah.
0: so I mean, okay, is so that it? is that it i mean what do you think has made you s- being able to stay in the business for golly 30, i you, say 38 yeah i think 30 30, yeah I mean, 38 what's, years what's the key to success for you man you know what i think it is i
2: you know what i think the key to my success has been i think it's been defeat i think it's been defeat i think it's been been being the fish knocking you down You know, every time you think you've really got them figured out, I tell people this. uh, I fished lots of tournaments uh, in the past and still fish a few. I always tell people I saved my biggest embarrassment for national TV. (laughs) I'd never (laughs) seem to fail. I would be leading for two days and put the camera boat on there and put me out in front of the crowd, and I would zero. And people would ask me, they would say, what is going on? And I would say, I'm not ready to win. I'm not good enough to win yet. So it's defeat. Defeat has, I think, defeat has made me what I what I am. In other words, I don't take it very well. Publicly, I take it extremely well. I stand up, put my arm around the guy that won. You were the better man today. I'm happy for you. I know how hard you worked. But inside me, well, I'm not thinking that. Inside <laughs> me, I'm thinking, oh boy, this yeah. is really <laughs> bad. Well, this is you're... embarrassment. This is It's, it's bear. Bar- but but when I walk off that stage, or when I walk off away from that doctor, in the day you know it, defeat happens to me on a daily basis at the dock people say what do you mean said, well i'm keeping count i walk in there's four other fishing guides fishing there and i'm filleting but i'm and keeping count, count, count. But i'm yeah. keeping count i'm not keeping count of no, all, yeah. just numbers but size and species like because kitchen. i am competing and so maybe maybe it's the combination of a competitive attitude and and defeat has has allowed me to stay focused um yeah, you know, I'm I'm fifty eight years old. I'm gonna be fifty nine in December the eighth. Uh never felt better in my life. Uh, you know, I'm physically in good shape, you know, thank the Lord. But but uh, there's a lot of work to be done as, as me as a guide and and me as Educator. A, yeah, educator. And and not just and not just how to fish, but the reap but but all the things that go with it. You know, why you don't why why you don't run that shoreline like that? You know, won't your boat? Won't your boat run up there? Well, yes, sir, it will. But don't need to be running where we need to be fishing or where somebody else is going to be fishing. You know, do you really need all those fish? No, you don't. Keep what you want. I make the comment to people all the time on a tough day. You know, we've got a five trout limit, three reds, five drum, two flounder, you know, this time of year. You come in, you've got four guys, you've got 12 trout, Four reds and three flounder. You got a limit of nothing, and when you fillet it all up, and you package it up, it's more fish than than those four guys can eat in three meals. Well, it's like
1: I tell them guys: you take five good quality trout that we're catching around here now, and put that stack of fillet up against absolutely a 15 fish lemon in Louisiana or whatever it is in yeah. whatever part of Louisiana you're at. it's no comparison
2: you're right and and here's the and here's the thing what i want people to understand is i'm speaking from experience i judged myself each day in my career when i started i judged myself how good i was by how many fish i caught and you know what that's not the right way to do it here's what i told a guy the other day i said have you ever weighed fish before nope never have have you ever fished with lures before never have have you ever cast a bait-casting rod before? Never have. I said, so, you're going to wade today with me. You're going to throw lures. You're going to use a bait-casting reel. I'm going to teach you how to cast it. Now, let's just flip that over to golf. If you had never played golf, you had never hit a ball off the tee, you would never hit a long iron, you'd never hit a short iron, and you'd never putt it. If you shot a par, would you be happy? Well, of course I would be. I said, "Well, if you catch one today, you should be happy." Exactly. And when he did, I said, "That's a par." And That's then he caught another one. I said, "That's a birdie." There you go. <laughs> You're working on an eagle, okay? And that and that is really the way you should way you should look at it. I, I'm I'm really really it, it it bugs me to to hear people say, "I had my I had my three by nine or my ten by nine and and the reason for it is they're missing the whole reasoning behind it. And and I and I say this from experience. I don't want anybody to think that I don't count because I do. I'm counting constantly. I'm the king of counting. But I don't base I don't want people to think that I base their day on the numbers of on, on what they catch. I base it on what their experience is totally, and, what, and what you and what your experience is what do you want out of, what do you want out of a fishing trip is if if all you want if all you want out of a fishing trip is the box of fish you know what that can be easily accomplished there are so many excellent fishing guides on the texas coast that can provide that service for you in a in a in a short short period short, of time short. a short period of time way shorter than me i can promise you that you know type of deal but that shouldn't be your focus what your focus should be is sh- your focus should be the whole experience you know the the preparation for getting to go you know when i was a kid and my dad was going to take me fishing or my grandpa was going to take me fishing i couldn't sleep the night before i couldn't sleep the night before Sounds i was excited me. about going
0: okay Absolutely. and i couldn't
2: wait to get up in the morning i couldn't wait to go and i remember being i remember being so excited to watch that I fished with my grandpa, my grandfather, on Taylor's bio outside of outside of Orange, mm-hmm. you know, and and in Nederland with a cane pole and a quill cork for crappie, and he didn't call them crappie, he called them white perch. We used catava worms, you know, and I I would just sit intently in that little aluminum boat waiting for that cork cool. to stand up and go down, you know, and I was excited to catch one. The deal is somewhere in between there and about my. 40s, I lost that. I lost that excitement, and you know, and guess what started happening when I was about 41, 42. I started not not liking it quite as much. Fishing got a little tougher. Got more fishing guides. Got more people coming to the to to our area. Fishing pressure got a little bit harder. There were more excuses out there for me to say, "Well, you know, it's just too many people." That's not true that's just not true i am not a i'm just not a believer in that i'm a believer that you can be taught to be good enough that i don't care how much boat pressure there is you can catch those suckers
0: when did you switch back i mean well i'm
2: I'm not real sure i think you know I, i i think i think when my boys got to be in in high school and we and they really became really good anglers and they really were you know i was able to fish with them and watch them and and learn from them jay ray you know is isn't he's my oldest he's an excellent guide excellent angler you know i always people always said you've always fished tournaments with your sons and i i have except for except for cliff webb cliff webb has been and, and lolo have been my only two other partners both excellent excellent partners um uh, but i picked the boys and they said well it's really nice that you fish with your sons that's well that's not why i fish with my sons. And they said, "What do you mean?" I said, "I fish with them because they're good. <laughs> I fish with them because they can carry they can carry their own weight and and mine a whole lot of the time." And so when they when I when I when they got to the age where I saw their their real enjoyment of fishing, how they they enjoyed it. I mean, they were ready to go in the morning. I mean, they were their rods were rigged, they had their wading pants laid out, they were ready to go, and and it it excited me. At that same time, I got a computer and I started a little fishing club deal and some game plans and my seminars were kind of coming together. And I saw that people were fishing had gotten good enough that people were hungry Mm -hmm. for knowledge. And I thought, started thinking, now, wait a minute. What I, what I mostly promote is not knowledge. What I mostly promote is a boat ride to a really good fishing hole and i'm going to show you how to catch them and and i hope you can catch some of them and most but but i started having people want to know why why why'd you choose this area where are we going today uh if you could tell me one thing today that will make me a better fisherman it'll be worth the cost of admission well you know what sir i can tell you 10 things what do you mean 10 things well i can look at your rod right here and i can tell you, you got way too heavy a leader your jig head's too heavy. The, you know, the The knot's not any good you know your reel's a 5.3 to 1 gear ratio instead of a 7.3 to 1 I can tell you a whole lot of things before we ever make the first cast well then I started listening to myself and I said well, you're coaching you're doing what your dad did like your dad yeah. you're coaching you're coaching and I said well if you're going to coach be a good coach and so to be a good coach I had to change had to change a few things you know couldn't be quite as abrupt about things you know had to had to had to be more understanding, you know. My dad wasn't that. He, my dad wasn't a, a a cussing, helmet slapping, face mask shaking type of coach. He was a talk to you in your face type of coach. Now, what did you do wrong? You know, what are we going to do to, to correct this? And so that's. I'm still. I'm. I'm a work in progress. I'm still getting there. I still. I still have my moments, <laughs> type of deal. But I'm a work in progress, you know. And, and I think that's. I think that's the. I think that's the future of the fishery. Because I think that, in essence, is really and truly what fishing really, really is. Um, you know, man, there, Shane, there's been so many things that have changed. I mean, boats, motors, rods, reels, line, uh, the types of graphite, the sharpness of hooks, the lightness of your reel, the, the polarization of your glasses, the, the comfort of our clothing, the comfort of our waders. But what did we do before Sims? I don't even know what we did. I don't even know what we did before Sims. Little vinyl waders big old boots. But we, but we suffered. Now you didn't we lost. Know you were suffering. But we, yeah. but yeah, you but didn't we didn't either. know we were suffering, but we were. But but my my deal is, so many things have gotten so much better. But the one thing we need to work on is we still need to work on 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 our our fishing ability and protecting what we got. You know, here's the thing. People tell me all the time. People I I've gotten crossways with lots of people over conservation. You know, well, you know, uh you you know, you want that five fish, you know, and, and people aren't gonna pay to go catch five fish. And my deal was to this to them. look, look, when it was ten reds and twenty trout, I had customers tell me, Jay, if they go to they go to five reds, I'm not gonna fish no more. Those same guys are sitting at the yacht club today talking about how great a day they had. Caught my three. Yeah. Jay, they've forgotten about it exactly you know and,
1: and and when we went to five five trout there was there's a lot of uproar in this community yeah, and yeah. a lot of the guides and I, I feel like there was a lot of pressure on the drum for a few years mm-hmm. but it seems like this year they're back on the trout and they're happy and you, happy. we don't hear it i don't yeah. No, i, I mean I, the I community don't... certainly hasn't lost a business on I mean, this town on a weekend's crazy
2: yeah yeah and and i can understand this i can understand this from a parks and wildlife standpoint you know, I can understand when the Parks of Wildlife is sitting out there, and again, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a biologist or a scientist, uh, and, and so I don't know what all the numbers always are. But when when, when the Parks of Wildlife is sitting looking at a community like Rockport, and every weekend, every hotel, every motel is booked, every trailer park's booked, every boat launch is completely full of trailers, and every bait stand by 9 o'clock is out of out of bait it's real hard to say we've got to fix what doesn't appear to be broke yeah okay okay but but they but they 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 jumped off and they 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 looked at the science and they looked at the biology and and they did what i what i think was 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 the right thing to do for the simple reason that somewhere along the line fishermen not just guides you know, I, I know a, a ton of excellent fishermen. I'm sitting next to one right here. The Lisa that just left, she was sitting here taking some pictures. She's awesome. I mean, she's a great fisherman. I mean, she is. I never fished with you. Well, I'm, yeah, sure you seen seen I'm sure you, you are too. I'm sure you are too. I'm sure you are. Jay was pointing to John, and not not me. That's <laughs> only because that's only because I didn't know. But but anyway, anyway. Uh, there's a you know it's not it's not just a it's this is not just a guiding thing, I think we as conservationists have to take the next step and I think the next step is stewardship. And, and there's a difference, you know you you we need to we need to save what we've got and we need to protect what we've got and ins- and and the only way you do that is through education. And and I've said this all along and I I've done it on my boat um for for years um i've said keep what you want what you don't need don't keep and don't think you have to keep 10 don't think you have to keep five and i don't want to make this this podcast about that because that's not really what it's about but we need to be conscious of the fact that let's just don't get wrapped up in how many fish we killed yeah. Okay when I, when I say killed I say that I say that to protect myself cuz <laughs> I'm that guy that says well I caught 30 I released them all but I caught 30 cuz I want you to know I caught 30 <laughs> Okay well, so I'm trying to protect that but 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 what I'm what I mean is let's 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 try to get away from feeling like that's that's the that's the mark of success because it's not no. for every angler it's 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 something different if you're not an experienced angler one might be the mark and then the next trip two might be the mark you know um, uh, as you know i've got lots and lots of really serious trout fishermen that aren't interested in going with me if we're going to catch two to three to four pounds trout. they're just not those are they think those are great but that's not what i'm interested in doing i don't need you for that i need you for something else mm-hmm. and, and and um you know so that's kind of sort of where I am in my, in my career, but you know we, we talked earlier, and I, and I know you, you wanted to talk about the you know some of the changes. And you know, this is something I don't think people take into consideration. With every weather pattern, with every storm, tropical storm, hurricane, blue norther, uh, seasons of drought, seasons of abundant rainfall, that bay changes that shoreline changes we've got years where certain shorelines don't have grass and next year they got grass we got yeah you know yeah,
1: exactly that's I, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, about the the guts up in, in san antonio bay how much that has changed in the in the last five six years where you, you got up there past what i call the barge cut and and then the next little cut with the cove and the cut that had the island and everything that's it's, it's, di- it's gone. It's different. Right. And even, right. the, even the guts out in front are different. Right. And, just, so and,
2: and, and I, th- I think that a lot of people aren't aware of that. I don't think they're aware of the fact that every base system is highly subjectable to change, seasonal changes mm-hmm. and, and annual changes. And un- unless you do it for a living like I do or, it, or you are an extremely yeah. serious angler that has a passion for it and fishes you know, every week, you don't notice those subtle changes, and and those are things that affect your success. And so, you know, as I've gotten older, I I, I realize that, and so I've become more more attuned to the little subtle changes, and and trying to duplicate that. You know, that that's that's something that that um, I have people that are in my fishing club tell me all the time. They said, "We don't even fish Rockport. We're in your fishing club. We fish in Port O'Connor. But when you're on Trailer Island, we're on Dewberry. When you're fishing mid bay reefs in three and a half foot of water, we're fishing mid bay reefs in three and a half foot of water. When you go to the drains, we're going to the mm-hmm. drains, okay? Because those are patterns, okay? All right, and and they're they're seasonal, but they change. And I've seen I've seen so much change in in my career, and I think that's I think it's good, and because that, like I said earlier, you know you could take it and just say. You know, things have changed. It's not like it used to be. It's not as good as it used to be. And you could, you could. that's an excuse. And you could be good with it and say, it's not me. My dad always used to tell me, and he told me before he died. He said, here's what you're going to find out in your life. He said, most of the time when you have a problem in your life, he said, the problem, if you walk into the bathroom, will be looking back at you out in the mirror. And he was right and it's that way in fishing. When I when I hit a slump, when I get into a a funk, the problem is usually me. I've I've gotten in a rut. I've gotten to fishing spots, not fishing fish. You know, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not in tune with what's going on. And you know, sometimes it just takes sometimes it takes a few days of getting your butt kicked, you know? And, people, and I know a lot of people listen to this and say, yeah, man, you know, man, Jay, he's off the wall. He's too serious about it. Well, I'm serious about it because I'm passionate about it. Guess what? Brett Favre was serious about it till the day he quit, and he's still serious about it. Brett Favre still thinks he can play. Oh, of course. Uh, that, and, <laughs> and you know, and you know what the truth is? Brett Favre still can play. With what's in the NFL today, I guarantee you Brett Favre can play. <laughs> Brett Favre can play. I guarantee you. The Texans should get Brett Favre right now. <laughs> but but anyway anyway um, and and you know and and so and so that that's that's kind of where I'm that's where I'm at. And what's really neat, um, you know, let let me talk a minute about what's happened recently that's that's so that's really impacted it. The opening of Cedar Bio, and here's what people don't realize. And I said this from day one to, to John over here. I said, you know what the beautiful thing about Cedar Bio is gonna be it's gonna give us circulation. And the circulation is gonna give us more ambush points. We're gonna see fish in certain parts of the bay that we hadn't seen in a long time. And the reason we're gonna see them is because that that flow and that circulation and that excuse me, that tidal movement is going to bring those fish to points, to ambush points. We're going to see fish that we hadn't seen before, and we are. Absolutely. We are absolutely seeing fish in areas that we hadn't seen them in many, 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 many years. Also, on a selfish note, I said eight out of ten boats on Saturday – that put in are going to go to Cedar Bowl, <laughs> and and boy, I'm going to have the whole shoreline like,
1: to myself. It looks like so, popcorn funneling in the chute going out the deal. It, it does. I mean, since I'm serious, since Cedar Bowl's been open, I bet if I said I fished it six times, that that's probably about the max. But yeah. like you said, it opens up those
2: other areas, and you, and it, it opens up those new points that you, right. that you and, talk about. And and the and the and the beauty of it being open is it does it does give that person that doesn't get to come to the coast very much, that has a boat, that knows the bay well enough to navigate, it gives them a spot they can go catch some fish. They can go catch some fish. But, but I, I think that a lot of people think of the opening of the pass as the only thing it impacts is those fish right there. What they don't realize, it impacts fish 20 miles away. Because of the because of the flow and the and the pull of the, of the water, we're seeing more grass in our back lakes due to the rain we had due to the circulation. And people say, "What does circulation have to do with it?" Well, it spreads the seed. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it yeah. spreads the seed. Okay, um, it, you know, it's it's moving waters like windborne. You know, plants do it. The wind blows seeds, and mm-hmm. it, it they they uh, propagate. Same thing with the with the bay. Again, not a scientist, not a biologist, but but uh, we're seeing that. I'm seeing way more trout activity in the back lakes, in crystal clear, shin shin deep water. Trout all over those back lakes. Why? Because the water's moving. Because the water's highly oxygenated. Because it's alive with bait fish. You know. So I always say this, and and I, and I go on record as saying I say it to the guys at the dock all the time. There there was some naysayers. Some of them close friends of mine. Naysayers, yeah, you know, you're wasting money. But now, they've made a living over there. They've <laughs> made a living over there all over summer there. long. So I put my arm yeah. around them. I say, okay, now, when that thing sands back up, and, you know, it might. If it does... Well, your money in there with my mm-hmm. money because you know I say, I know how much money you made off of it. Mm-hmm. They just laugh, you know, type of deal. Gee, they camp but, uh, over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they camp over there, and it's and it's 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 great,
0: you know, it's great for the area. Well, let's let's talk about Cedar Bay for a minute, John. Why don't, first of all, yeah. we haven't introduced ourselves. So why don't you tell us who you are <laughs> and uh, yeah. and then get it get back into no, Cedar it's, it's, Bay for
1: us. You know, I'm assistant director for CCA Texas, obviously, and uh, in charge of our habitat program, and and you know. Jay talks about the education of, of the fishermen and everything. And, you know, this job has been education of me, but I think you got to take it, you've got to take it personal. I mean, it's obvious you take your fishing personal. And I feel like I take my job very personal from the, stand, you do. From the standpoint of <laughs> I want to see, you know, I want to see this resource healthy. Uh, so I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, I watch over our habitat program and very involved in that. But Jay talked about the, the circulation and, see, you know, what Cedar Bio Open and, uh, you know, we're, I was very fortunate, uh, uh, to, to watch that project all the way through. And, uh, I dragged Lisa around to take pictures and, and we got to be really good friends with the engineers, uh, on the project. And, uh, I think they liked us coming out there. Cause when we came out there, the contractor had a truck and they didn't have to walk the whole project, but <laughs> it, back to that circulation before the bio was even open to the Gulf, uh, when they connected where they were dredging and connected Vincent Slew, and then Vincent Slew was connected into the back lakes, it was immediate circulation through there. Uh, we had our boat in there one day, and we power pole down, and there was so much circulation that it literally turned the boat into a 20-knot wind. That's Ooh. how much circulation was coming from Mesquite Bay towards the Gulf, which wasn't open yet, but back through Vincent Slough and then back out through all the back lakes of Spalding and, yeah. Down the fence lake and all that. And uh and as that project progressed, every time we went out there there was some kind of new life that that was coming about and we'd laugh at the uh the, the one, the foreman out there, man man, there's sharks in here? Uh, you know yeah. i'm kind of like, whatever hey there were sharks in there you know well i don't know the wasn't open to the gulf yet you know they were coming from somewhere yeah but sure as heck they were sharks up there in, yeah and vincent even before it was open to the gulf so it just it just brought the whole that whole ecosystem to life and you know that whole project it started out you know obviously everybody pretty much knows the story you know and what 79 X stock and uh the oil spill and they bulldozed it shut and there were some efforts to open it up and then, you know, save Cedar Bio Inc., they kinda were gone and they died. Then another group got them going again and and uh, you know, they made some progress, got some preliminary engineering going, and then they kinda hit a they kinda hit a roadblock in the permitting process. It was a very very uh, bulky permitting process. There's like Jay said you know, not only was there local, locals, that, ah, you're wasting your money. I mean, there were some different agencies that weren't, honestly, weren't on board. Uh, you know, they went, they went to uh, Judge Mills, and, and Safe Cedar Bio Inc. went to Judge Mills, and the county agreed to take, you know, take it on, and, and that was a huge step, you know. Uh, CCA was watching all along. We had donated just a little bit of money early on in some of the early engineering stages, but once it got into the county's hands, we knew there was a chance, and that was going to be our opportunity to really make a difference. And once that permit was signed, you know, we stepped in with, I think, $500,000 initially, uh, pledged to it to help kickstart kick that fundraising process. And that's where we were able to influence getting that project done was by providing those private dollars that were used as matching funds. And uh, eventually, Parks and Wildlife, through, uh, I guess, Fund 9, Uh, kicked in with $3 million to the project. We had monies from a general land office, and eventually CCA contributed right at $1.6 million to it. Excuse me. No, a $10 million project overall. So it took a community effort. It started out as a true, really tight-knit local. just local people doing what they could do to try to get this thing open and it worked its way into the local government. And, again, CCA, Parks and Wildlife came on board. Uh, others came on board and, and made it happen. Um, you know, the contractor uh, had to jump through some hoops to get things done and, and work through it. And, you know, it came down to literally the week, two weeks before starting construction, and then they had that oil spill in Galveston. Well, the oil spill in Galveston didn't affect anything up there. You know, uh, fortunately it all sucked right out into the Gulf. But it all landed right on our beaches right here on St. Joe and uh, Matagora Island. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was in limbo there for a minute. And, and that affected, you know, some of the access and how it was going to happen. But in the end, it all happened. You know, the Corps was a firm believer in it. Uh, you know, the leadership within the Corps. And, uh, hey, it's been over two years now. and Man, it's still blowing and going. Like Jay was talking earlier earlier. Uh, we're finally getting a good blow. We've had some super high tides, and um, you know, once that tide dumps, you're, you're not going to be able to walk across it in areas. I know uh, that first year we got all these panic calls: the bows closed, bows closed." I'm like, man, something's not right. What they weren't looking at was the bow has has literally shifted to the south, probably 500 yards now, if not more. Uh, and well, you just look at the history of how it moves
0: around. And it's a fish pass it's so you a fish pass crew. it's exactly. not a place for you to take your exactly and, your and boat that's through. that's
1: you know people ask well why can't you put your boat through there well it changes literally daily especially this time of year when we get fronts and everything else going and it's a fish pass and it's just like jay said earlier it creates a circulation it, it brings these fish in Puts them in areas. It, it, it scatters the the grass seeds throughout the back lakes, and that's what we have to remind people. It, it's a fish pass. It, it's not meant to be a access egress to and from the Gulf or anything like that. It's, you know, they did surveys in that area uh, prior to the construction, and, and never saw fingerling redfish in that area. Never, didn't see it in any other surveys. Literally a week after the bio was open, I get a text from Greg, Dr. Greg Stuntz. One day, he had gone out there just with some students. It wasn't even his research team; just took some students out there doing some, you know, just doing some little staining and stuff. And one of the new students walked up and said, "You know, what is this?" And it was a redfish fingerling. I saw that. Yeah, and that was uh, you neat. know, it was like, you know, it's yeah, doing yeah. doing what Mother Nature is supposed to do. So, yeah. uh, a lot of great, you know, it's just it's a lot of great stuff. It's you know, like I said, it's people out there constantly, uh, it gets used and everybody needs to respect it and, and take care of it as well. So
0: how have you gotten to know Jay? Like, how Man, just, I, how I, was was actually, I was actually, I was actually thinking about that,
1: uh, <laughs> earlier. I guess, you know, I, I fished with Jay one back in the days when Jim Franklin, B be were real big in Poco Bueno. Yeah. I know they would hire Jay prior to Poco and, uh, Beaver called me one day, asked me if I wanted to go. Um, and, um, uh, that's probably the first time I fished yeah. with him. And then when uh, uh Tom Nix had the uh the the seminars. Right. And you were doing some of those seminars, I, I came to one of those right. and then uh when we moved down, you know, and, and we'd cross paths and talk and here and there and the, but when we moved when Kay and I and, and Randis, our daughter moved to Rockport uh a little over ten years ago, we we moved in down the street from his mom and and she kinda took you know, took over Randis like you know she was a grandmother in Rockport, you <laughs> right for Randis, and and we just I mean, we just become you know great fin, friends over time, and uh, it's not you know we don't necessarily talk every week or anything like that, but you know if, if we need something, we we know each yeah. other's there. So, uh, yeah. well,
2: not to interrupt John, but we have a lot of things in common, and 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 fishing's just one of them. You know, I think we I think we both feel the same way about our families. Uh, John cries at the same movies I cry at. You know, we're not afraid to show our emotions. Yeah. You know, it might embarrass our wives, you know. <laughs> it embarrasses my wife. Look Kay's laughing over there. It embarrasses my wife. My wife says, why are you crying? At that? It's stupid. I said, it's not stupid. It's sad. Stupid, I'd be laughing. I want to know what yeah, kind of movie yeah, you're it'd be stupid, I'd be laughing. No, it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> hey, I see a, I, I, I see, you know, I see some, hey, when the first time we went to Cedar Bile, um, me and John and Kay and Mike. I hadn't been to Cedar Bio. Listen. Uh, I mean least listen, Mike. I hadn't been to Cedar Bio since my dad died. And when I walked when I walked down those sand dunes and those sea oats and all the things that had nothing to do with fishing that welled up in me that my dad had taught me. My dad was a coach, but he was also a biologist, he had a master's degree in biology. And so he really was a biologist. Yeah. <laughs> he really was a biologist. And uh Trips to Cedar Bayou, fishing trips, hunting trips were educational. Do you know what kind of tracks those are? Do you know why those sea oats are shaped the way they're shaped? Do you know where their seeds are? Do you know what made that hole right there? You know Do you know why the waves do what they do? Well, I mean, of course I didn't know. But anyway, those things well up welled up in me a little bit, and I was telling John about it, and it's, it's emotional, okay? That's what's supposed to be. And that's really what we're talking about here, about about fishing. That's how it's supposed to be when you take your kids out there. You're supposed to teach them something. It becomes a memory. It becomes a moment. And then in their lives, when they need that moment, they'll have it. They'll have that moment when they need it. And trust me, they'll need it.
0: Okay, we're going to have to stop right here. Be sure to tune in next week to catch the rest of the conversation with John Blaha and Jay Watkins. We hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving week and it's getting into the holiday spirit. This is always a really good time of the year to spend some of those days off you have in the holidays with friends or family on the water. And with this next cold front coming in this weekend, I anticipate the flying around is finally gonna kick into gear. So get out there with your kids, your significant other, your buddy, your dog, or just go solo and spend some time on the water. And as always, remember to stay coastal.